And then we went into, you got the Jordan rules, and we, we I'm calling now from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rule. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his. Anytime he came to the hole, elbows, filling them, love taps, we touched them, we in the head, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I'm touching you. So I show those guys, Jordan getting his whooped. Uh, that is new head Raiders head coach Antonio Pierce uh, talking about, I, I don't know, I guess the formula that he's going to use to beat the Chiefs. Before we get to Matt Verderam, uh, just a quick reminder, uh, I am here live, Nick Erie, live at Batavia Downs Raceway here in Batavia. And at the Legends and Stars show, uh, Don Beebe and Keith McKellar uh, still up on stage here for another 20 minutes or so. Then Dave Anderchuk, Wendell Clark. Daryl Sittler and Lawrence Taylor, Pepper Johnson as well uh, in the one o'clock hour. So a lot of great uh, former athletes, uh, professional athletes up here. Dave Anderchuk, obviously a um, longtime Buffalo Saber and great, uh, will be up at uh, up at the stage here in the next little while. Uh, so if you're looking to come down, show is ten to four today. Kids twelve and under are free. Admission is ten dollars, and you get ten dollars back in free uh, gameplay over on the gaming floor. So. Feel free to come by, stop by, say hi. I am uh, over here near the autograph station and uh, happy to chat. So let's go to the back to the Western Hotline because my good buddy, Matt Verderam, joins me. He's an NFL staff writer over at SI Now and uh, someone I used to have on the show all the time when I was doing Sports Talk Saturday regularly. Matt, it's good to talk to you, buddy. Hope all is well. Hey, how are you doing? You know, uh, just hanging out and... Still looking at my wounds a little bit. I'm glad, to, you know, this is the thing I appreciate about you. You know, you could have came on, you could have said, Nate, you know, good to talk to you, buddy. It must have been a tough end of the season, you know, talk about the Super Bowl and all. But you don't do that. That's that's, that's why we like you around here, Matt. Well, I mean, I feel like you'd have to be a monster to do that. <laughs> so, I mean, just believe me, like, everybody looks at the Chiefs now, and obviously they are who they are, but, like, yeah. I'm 35 years old. Most of my life, was Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown at that game. So yeah. I I sympathize. I'm a Knicks fan. Like, yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah, I'm a Knicks fan too. But, you know, hey, brighter days for them maybe. Um, yeah, actually you know, good. You know, Matt, like I, it's, I think that here in Buffalo, you know, the, the Chiefs are kind of just the team that, that are stopping right now the Bills from getting to the point that they've been trying to get to, which is to a Super Bowl, much less win a Super Bowl. Um, but I, I do think, you know, this is a really interesting offseason for the Chiefs because, listen, I mean, Brett Veach to me is the best general manager in football. He understands the cap better than just about anybody. Um, he His drafting really after the Clyde Edwards-Alaire debacle, uh, his drafts have been fantastic. And, I mean, you have Legereus Sneed right now who's, going to be a free agent this offseason we'll talk about him in a minute but I mean he is in my estimation if he's not a top two or three corner in the league he's top five uh, you're not going to name four other guys better than Legereus Sneed so you know the drafting's been there and now this gets to be the part of every GM's uh, tenure where it's now retaining the good players you draft and I want to start with Chris Jones first and foremost because 
you know, this it sort of feels a little like Tyreek, right? Where Tyreek's a future Hall of Famer, there's no doubt about it. Um, when they traded him, it was, okay, well, the Chiefs dynasty's over, and, uh, you know, they're not going to win again, and what are you doing trading your best player, Hall of Famer, maybe one of the best and most dynamic receivers to ever play the game? And, you know, they win two straight after that. So um, what is the decision here looming for the Chiefs? Is it a decision at all, um, or is it, in your mind, you, you have to do whatever, whatever means necessary to keep Chris Jones, who right now, you know, right with Aaron Donald, I think is going to go down as the two best, um, you know, interior defensive linemen of the era. Yeah, you know, it's really, it's interesting because I think at the outset of the season, everybody in Kansas City felt like, well, they've got to keep Jones. If they let Snead walk, well, that's, that's fine. And then Snead became, I know he wasn't named an all-pro corner, but an all-pro caliber corner this year. And then it was like, all right, well, they, they, they need to keep him. He's in his mid-20s, and he's going to be cheaper than Jones, and Jones is going to be 30 in July, and just kind of that rhetoric. And then the playoffs happened, and everything happened, and everybody was like, well, now they got to keep both of them. they got to <laughs> figure it out. Now, of course, yeah. that's not going to be easy. They can do it. Like, right now they're sitting at about $17, 18000000 in space. They have Mahomes' contract, which they can restructure and save $37 million. So that's a lever they've pulled before. They, they don't pull it every year. They've, they've, they have done it. MVS, they're going to cut. They're going to save $12 million there. And then Justin Reed, I don't, I, I'd be shocked if they cut him, but I could see them extending him. He's got like a $14 million cap. Hit. They could have probably lowered it with an extension of like six. So the money's there. The question essentially, though, is if you tag Jones, it's $32 million because he's been tagged already. If you tag Sneed, it's, a, it's basically $20 million. My thought and just understanding some things in that building is they're going to try to get Jones done as fast as humanly possible so then they can tag Sneed and have them both. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen. Jones has the leverage right now. I would say that Jones is the priority for them because they have McDuffie and they have Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams is a nice young corner, but they... They really, I, I think if they would tell you, they really would like to find a way to keep them both and then kind of fit, shore up the offense in the draft. But, you know, that's, that's easier said than done. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I, I think it's, it's interesting to me to, listen, every year uh, when a team wins, all of a sudden you have a new blueprint, right? And some of the takes I've, I, I have just found absolutely hilarious to me, which is, uh, I think I saw a take a couple weeks ago that, well, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl without a big-name wide receiver, so is that going to be the new thing, that teams are not going to pay receivers now because the Chiefs won without a big receiver? And I'm like, yeah, what? I mean, first and foremost, uh, does your team have Patrick Mahomes? Because if it doesn't, then you should have receivers. Um, but secondarily, I think people watched the Super Bowl and really watched the, the, the playoff run for the Chiefs and said and saw like how good that defense was and maybe we're swinging back to should we be building on the defensive side of the ball to try to slow teams down like I think the Chiefs did and, and really for the better part of the regular season that defense carried them um, but Matt like in, in your opinion is wide receivers still like number one gotta add need more dynamic playmakers because Rasheed Rice really came along well for this Chiefs team but they didn't spend necessarily premium it wasn't a first round pick but I, I think like with Rasheed Rice, maybe that's the kind of guy that they look at again this year, another second-rounder, a third-rounder, a day-two guy that can come in and they can develop because they're showing, Matt, they can develop at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I think they'll definitely use a top 75 pick, so probably a first or second-rounder. I would think they're top two picks. And, of course, like you never know how the draft board falls. But, like, I would, I would think 
going into the draft, their top two targets are going to be a tackle and, and a receiver. I, I think those are the two things. Now, that being – like the caveat to that is Chris Jones. If they lose Chris Jones, their defensive tackle room is you and me. Okay, so like that would, <laughs> that would drastically alter the plans. But if they have Chris Jones, then I think it becomes left tackle. Donovan Smith, I, would, I, I don't think will be back. It's not impossible, but my, my guess would I don't lean the other way. They drafted Juan Nee Morris in the third round last year. He played a few games. He was pretty good. He actually played the game against the Bills in the regular season. He did fine. I think he'll compete for the starting job, but I think they'll bring another tackle to compete with him. And then a receiver, yeah. Look, it's Rice, and it's a bunch of guys who are hood ornaments. Like, it's not – I mean, yeah. it's Justin Watson, and it's maybe McCall Hardman, although he's a free agent. And it's, you know, maybe Richie James, and he's a free agent. Uh, I, I do not think Kadarius Tony will ever play another down in Kansas City. Um, Sky Moore might come back. At, he would be a flyer at this point. They're not going to rely on him. So, yeah, I think definitely as long as Jones is back, I think receiver is far and away the number one thing. And to your point, by the way, like, yeah, everybody's, everybody's not copying the idea of, hey, don't have a receiver. They did not have the idea of let's not have right. a receiver. And just hope, I mean, they thought, hey, Tony and Moore are going to step up, and they didn't. And the thing that bailed out the Chiefs was in the the defense basically became the '85 Bears in the playoffs. But that I mean they they were not uh, they were not going into the season thinking, hey, we don't need receivers, we're fine. It just kind of shook out that way. Yeah, and I agree. Like the idea that you know maybe you don't need a receiver as the Chiefs are out here looking for receivers. I just I just found to be incredibly funny. You know, and, and you're talking a lot about uh, Snead and and you know obviously one of the best young corners in football right now. You know the the Chiefs. I think are a team and a franchise that when you look at, they've known when to walk away from guys or like how to prioritize which guy to keep. And I think that's what makes them uniquely qualified right now to make the decision that they're going to be, they're going to be forced to make between, you know, Jones, Snead, or both. You know, they let Traverius Ward walk a couple of years ago and he got paid big by the San Francisco 49ers and look at, they were able to restock and retool. Um, and you talked about Trent McDuffie. Uh, you know, I think there's probably a little bit of a bitterness here in Buffalo because I know that that was the guy Brandon Bean was really looking forward to um, having an opportunity to, to pick and was probably willing to move up for, but the chiefs, you know, swooped in, moved in front of the Bills and got him, and Bills drafted Kyrie Elam, and the rest is history, and, and here we are. So, um, you know, w- would you say that you know, of, of any team in the NFL that, that Brent Veach and, and this Chiefs organization really do a good job prioritizing and finding who they need to keep and maybe who they're willing to let walk? They do. I mean, look, they're not perfect. Uh, you know, I, I would suspect that if they could rescind the four-year and $80 million contract they gave to Juwan Taylor, they probably would. I mean, Taylor played better as the year went on, but he still like, took a million penalties and, and struggled at times at the chip. But, I mean, yeah, for the most part, yes. I would say the most underrated thing with the Chiefs is their, their entirety of their coaching staff. Like, everybody knows about Reed. They know about Spagnuolo. But, like, the position coaches, they are amazing at just finding guys who fit roles. Like, they, they don't always draft the most talented guy. They draft the guy who they think is going to come in and fit a specific role, and he's going to thrive in that role. And an example of that is a guy like Jamari Connor, who most fans are like, who? He was a fourth-round pick out of Virginia. They drafted him. I remember speaking to somebody in the organization. said, look, he's one of the best special teams prospects we've ever seen. Like, we're taking him like, because of that. And by the end of the season, he was a starting safety because Brian Cook got hurt, Mike Edwards got hurt, actually got hurt in the Bills game in the playoffs. And Connor was playing a ton down the stretch, and – 
they were matching him up in the Super Bowl times one on one with George Kittle, and he was fine. Like it wasn't overwhelming. But they, you know, Connor was a guy when they took him. A lot of people thought, oh, they kind of reach on him. But they saw a specific role, and they're like, this guy can play a little slot. He can play a little free safety, and he's a great special teams player. They're just they're very good at doing that. They're very good at finding guys who they think are going to fit their program. And then they have these assistant coaches like Dave Merritt in secondary and Brendan Daly at linebacker and Andy Heck on the offensive line who just they coach them up, they fit the schemes, and they go. And so, you know, that allows them to have an offseason like they did two years ago where not only did they trade away Tyreek Hill, they lost Tyron Matthew and Charvarius Ward and replaced them all with rookies essentially and then went and won the Super Bowl. Like that was their. They didn't go out and like sign a whole bunch of big ticket free agents. They they signed Juju, and they drafted a bunch of guys, and that's how they replaced them. Yeah, and you know, interestingly enough, listen, I'm still at a loss at why and why and how Steve Spagnuolo hasn't had an opportunity to be a head coach again. I know it didn't really go well the first time, but right. And and obviously the league is more so you know, leaning towards these young offensive play callers. Um, but I'm, I'm just, he, to me, I was doing this exercise last week. I was filling in on the radio, and we were talking about, you know, like what's the real difference between the Chiefs and the Bills? And, you know, quarterback is, it's close. It's probably the closest of any matchup that, that Patrick Mahomes is going to go up against is, is, is yeah. Josh Allen and, and Joe Burrow. They're the two closest guys to, to Patrick Mahomes. But I think the area that the Chiefs really have, have, beaten the Bills outside of the Bills defense never being able to show up against the Chiefs is coaching and whether it's Andy Reid going head-to-head you know uh, offense v defense and Sean McDermott in being able to win um, or Steve Spagnuolo out or you know out coaching whatever offensive coaches here um, short of the you know 13 seconds game where felt like the Bills couldn't do anything wrong but Brad Brad Sorenston was also in the defensive backfield so something to keep in mind Um, like I, I think about Spagnuolo and I think about him being a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator i mean three super bowls right i mean this guy is going to be go down as one of the best defensive play callers ever and yet he isn't even getting an interview i what is it just at this point because of his age and you know the time in the league and it's just not something the team's going to do but it's it's it reminds me a little bit of leslie frazier uh, he's not really getting looks anymore and he's been a great coach but spags is to me as a hall of fame play caller yeah and, and you're right and he's won yeah he's won three in kansas city and he won the one against the undefeated pass team in in 07 with the Giants. So he is, he's the only assistant coach on either side. Well, the coordinator. The only coordinator ever to win four Super Bowls, offensive or defensive. I, uh, I agree with you. Look, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I really, he is, I mean, you think about the teams they've beaten in the Super Bowl. They've beaten the two Niners teams, the Eagles and the undefeated Pats team. Like those are the teams he shut down. And (laughs) other than the Eagles, none of those teams have scored 20 points in regulation. Like, I mean, it's been, it's been incredible. No, I think the one, the biggest, for me anyway, with the Chiefs and the Bills, and, and I agree with you. Everything you said about the quarterbacks, I, I think the biggest difference has been in the playoffs. The Bills' defense has been really good in the regular season, but in the playoffs they've they struggled in these games. Yeah. And the Chiefs' defense hasn't. And I think the, to pinpoint it further is the pass rush. I mean, at some yep. point, like in these games, if you're going to beat Mahomes or Burrow or you know, fill in the blank, C.J. Stroud at some point here, you've got, you got to get home. You just have to. Like, I don't care how good your coverages are. How, like, it, it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but, like, against those quarterbacks, if you don't harass those guys, you're losing, period. And I know, like, you look at those big calls in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs, the third and four, the one at the end of regulation, the one in overtime, the, what did the Chiefs do in both They just blitzed. 
just the yep. hell with it. Like, we're, we're coming after you. And you're, we're going to force you to make a throw. And against Lamar Jackson, the AFC title game. I mean, the Chiefs just relentlessly blitzed him in that game. They just basically said, we're playing cover zero, cover one, beat us. And you know what? It's hard to do that. Like, I don't it care is. who you are as a court. When you've got six, seven guys just blitzing you every other play, it's a hard thing. And it also starts to put it in your head, even when they're not blitzing. Well, are they going to blitz? Am I missing it? Where is it coming from? I think that is the biggest difference. Is, you know, in this day and age, so many teams are terrified to blitz good quarterbacks. But, like, if you've got the corners to do it, and that, of course, is the one thing the Chiefs have been able to do with Steve McDuff. Like, you just go after the other team, and it's, it's something Spagnuolo leans into. They're not afraid to be aggressive and take a chance, and it, and it has really benefited them. Matt Verderam here on the West, her hotline. He's a staff writer over at SA Now. He also just started a new podcast, The Matt Verderam Show. Um, so you can check that out. He's on Twitter at Matt Verderam, V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. Matt, um, let's talk about the Ravens. Holy cow. Um, yeah. I, I feel like maybe they are not getting enough criticism. I, I know that people were critical, but it was like kind of the next week, Super Bowl, and people have sort of just forgot about the Ravens. And... I, you know, whether it was the offensive game plan, I mean, the least amount of rushing attempts in the in their season in that game after watching what the Bills were able to do for three quarters against the Chiefs and then basically were trying to beat the Chiefs at their strength, which is through the yeah. air. And, and listen, you know, I don't know where you fall on the, the Lamar Jackson MVP, you know, conversation. I, I You know, personally, being, you know, here in Buffalo, I, I, I did I think Josh Allen deserved the MVP? Maybe not, but I think he deserved more than one vote. And I certainly don't think that Aaron Schatz deserved all of the criticism that he was getting for the only guy voting for Josh Allen because I, I do think it was much closer than it should have been. But wherever that award is now, it's not really about the best player. It's about the best player on the team with the best record. Um, but, like, you know, I, I view what he did in the playoffs or what he wasn't able to do in the playoffs and, and how that team approached that game plan, I, I just think deserves tons of criticism uh, for a team that really from the, you know, basically from week five on really looked to be the class of the AFC and they just did not show at home against the Chiefs team that, you know, frankly, going into the game, if you weren't confident as a Ravens fan, I think every Ravens fan thought they were going to go into that game and beat the Chiefs because um, they were going to do what they do. And then they – this is the one thing, Matt, that about the Chiefs and about Steve Spagnuolo is they make you get away from what you do really well. And I think they did that better than any team was able to do against the Ravens all year. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Nate. Honestly, as someone who's followed the Chiefs my whole life, I was, I was more um, – skeptical of the Chiefs' chances in Buffalo than I was in Baltimore. Mm. I thought once they beat Buffalo, I thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. I just thought, to me, you you respect the Bills almost more. In fact, not almost. I do respect the Bills more because Allen is is a more terrifying prospect than facing Jackson. Jackson's terrific. He doesn't throw the ball the way Allen does. And secondly, the Bills, they're not afraid of the Chiefs. Like I know, I understand their own three in the playoffs against them, but they've beaten them. They've beaten them in game, and like that thirteen seconds game. Look, I get it. Like they, they fell apart in the end, but like the, the Bills, they put, that to me honestly is the best football game I've ever seen. Like the Bills, they they showed. Hey, look, we, we can go toe to toe. The Baltimore game, I thought from jump was a weird game. Like just even in pregame warmups, like Justin Tucker yeah. and all, you're like, man. That's not a good idea. Like, that's just, you're poking the bear, and there's no reason to do it. 
And then the game starts, and the Chiefs immediately came out and on their first two possessions scored two touchdowns. And I think, and I thought in the, in the moment, I think now, I think it just spooked Baltimore. Yeah. I think it just freaked them out. That like, oh my God, we're get, we got to get into a shootout with them. We can't stop them. And they got and the Chiefs kept putting eight guys in the box. And I still think if you're Munkin, like run the ball, run the football. Like just still that that's what you do. And they, got, they I think the Chiefs with their alignments, they they just they got Baltimore to start throwing. And I could guarantee you the Chiefs were thrilled to death when Baltimore started just throwing time and time again. Um, I also, one thing about that game, you, you know, you mentioned a lot about Spagnuolo. I thought it was fascinating. I've never seen a coach do this before. Almost every play, they played with two spies. They put one on either side of either guard, and they just sat there. And were like, look, you're not running. You're not going to run. Like, you're not getting out of the pocket. You're going to throw the football. And there were a lot of times that he looked to run, and he couldn't. There was nowhere to go. They trusted their corners one-on-one. But I thought Baltimore in that game, as much as I thought, yes, look, the Chiefs won it, they made the play, five personal fouls for the Ravens, they yeah. just fell apart. Like, it almost was – I would – that of any playoff game in this run for the Chiefs, to me, that was the game where I looked at it and just said experience won that game. Because Baltimore just panicked. They started to lose their cool. And the Chiefs basically were like, that's fine. If you want to hit us late, that's fine. If you want to hit Mahomes high, that's fine. Like, we'll take the 15 yards. And we'll move down the field. I thought Baltimore, you know, Lamar's interception at the end of that game. Oh, I mean, he threw it to three guys. Like, it's yeah. one of those throws the second he threw it, you're like, he's getting intercepted. You know, I mean, Sneed punches the ball out with flowers at the goal line. Like, it was just, it was a game where you could tell which team had been there a lot and yep. which team had never been there. And I, I thought that showed a lot that afternoon. All right, last thing I have for you, Matt, Antonio Pierce. He's, he, listen, if anything else, at least the Raiders are – fun now because yeah. Yeah. the last couple of years with uh you know mcdaniels it's just was it, it was like it, it was like going to the dentist watching them play football um so at least yeah. for now the trash talking will be here and and max crosby and him together man it'll be fun and obviously they they've got a lot of they, they have they have a lot of room to get better they're not going to be a particularly good roster this year especially if they're going in with Aiden o'connell but um you like the trash talk? Like, is it, is it, you know, you're poking the bear a little bit, but also, like, what else do they have to lose? They, they're not going to probably win a lot of football games, so you might as well be fun. I, um, I love it. So this has been going on with these teams for a little while. Like, a handful of years ago, 2020, the Raiders went in, they beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. And it was the only game the Chiefs lost all year, other than a, a meaningless Sweet 17 game. And John Gruden, who was the coach at the time, drove around the stadium in a bus and was honking the horn. <laughs> and, and, and the Chiefs didn't lose to them for years after that. Yeah, yeah. And then they showed up a couple years later, and they were stomping on the logo at midfield before the game, and the Chiefs beat them 47-7. to <laughs> And so, like, now we have this where you're talking, as you played at the beginning of this, like the Jordan rules thing. I would bet anybody any amount of money that the first time they play next year, Mahomes rolls into the stadium in a Jordan uniform. And then proceeds to probably throw for about 400 yards. Yeah, like, right. Listen, I get it. If you're Pierce, hey, look, look, to their credit, they went in on Christmas and they earholed Kansas City in a way that, honestly, I think is the, one of the biggest reasons ends up winning the Super Bowl. I think it really kind of woke them up. In fact, I mean, they've talked about it publicly and privately, how much that game mattered to them. Um, if you're Pierce, you got to do something. I mean, at this point, the Chiefs have more playoff wins in Vegas than the Raiders do. Like, I mean, at, at some, there was actually a stat that I couldn't believe, but it is true. 
Mahomes and Reed, as a quarterback coach tandem, have won more games at Allegiant Stadium than any other QB coach tandem, including anybody from the Raiders. Oh, my God. So if you're Pierce, you might as well do something different because nothing else. That's right, yeah. And, you know, they've, they've got a little bit of money and cap space, and we'll see if, you know, Mark Davis spends it. Um, but, yeah. I, fields, right? Yeah. Like, I, and I'm not even, like, a huge Fields guy. but like, my either. God, like, like, Justin Fields, I, I have him over Aiden O'Connell. Like, try. Do something. He, like, I, you know, it would be fun. It'd be electric uh, if they get, got Fields. I even think Kirk Cousins would make sense for them because, you know, he makes oh, a yeah. comp, but he'd be yeah. the best quarterback they've had since, I don't know, you know, oh. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Rich Gannon. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Maybe Carson Palmer year one, but uh, yeah. yeah, Matt. L- yeah. Listen, buddy, I appreciate you as always. It's good catching up. Uh, love the insight. Glad to see you uh, in the Matt Verderam show uh, taking off. And uh, tell the folks where else they could find you and, uh, and, and you know, on Twitter and what you got coming up here. Yeah, on Twitter, as always, at Matt Verderam. Uh, on there all the time. I actually just did a, a show a couple days ago on One Bills Live with, uh, with Steve Tasker and company, which is great. Got to, got to speak with them and uh, – yeah, but you can find all my stuff on SI.com, at Matt Verderam on Twitter, uh, Matt Verderam on Patreon. You can you can find me all over. I'm everywhere. All right, buddy. Appreciate you, and uh, enjoy your weekend and uh, the, the combine and draft coming up. Lots of uh, content on the rise, my friend. I'll be there. Thanks a lot. All right, buddy. Matt Verderam there of SI Now, staff writer over at SI on the Western Hotline talking some Chiefs with me. It's time for a timeout. I'm Nick Erie live from Batavia Downs Raceway and Casino at the Legends and Stars show here at uh, the Batavia Downs uh, show floor, which is to the left uh, when you walk in. Admissions and uh, registration is upstairs when you walk in. 12.30 now, which means uh, Daryl Sittler uh, is up on stage with Wednesday. Wendell Clark and Dave Andertruck. Andertruck and Clark will be on stage until 1 p.m. And then uh, we got LT, Lawrence Taylor, and Pepper Johnson at the 1 o'clock hour headed up on stage as well. And from the Sopranos, Joe Pantoli- uh, Patoliano uh, will be up on stage as well. And as a reminder, today the show floor is open until 4 p.m. Tomorrow the show floor opens back up at 10 a.m., goes till 3 on Sunday. Kids 12 and under free, and admission is $10 with a $10 uh, uh, voucher back and free play on the gaming floor. Nate Geary here live from Batavia Downs. Timeout. Other side, Ryan Hasenauer is going to join me, and uh, we'll talk more about the show going on and everything else here at Batavia Downs here on WGR.